How's everybody doing? It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Uh, when my son, Xander, was first born, he's almost four now, but when he was first born, uh, he was probably about two months old or so, we took like a little weekend getaway uh, vacation, and uh, we went to this hotel in Orlando, not to go to Disney World or anything, but just to go, just to kind of get away. We just hung out at the hotel for the weekend. And uh, this hotel, we've never been there, had never been there before, and we've never been there since, so, you know, infer what you might. Um, but anyway, we... Um, we, this is like the most difficult hotel to find anything. Uh, I mean, literally, I'm not even kidding. The day we got in, I got lost in the lobby. Uh, because there's all these weird, there's, it was like this kind of rotunda, and there was all these different corridors to go, and I ended up going the wrong way. Anyway, um, so we had been there for a day, uh, and we had already been lost several times, or one afternoon. The next morning, we are going to go down to the pool. And uh, Carrie says to me, she says, honey, why don't you call downstairs? Say, yeah, you know, I'm at room whatever. Can you give me directions uh, to go to get to the pool? And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I told my wife and I'm like, honey, do you not know me at all? In all of our years, have I ever asked for directions? And uh, no, anyway, so I'm not going to start now. And uh, so, but I told her, I said, listen, don't worry about it. I know where I'm headed, even though I had no idea where I was headed. And so I, I, we got on the elevator. I figured if it's a pool, it's got to be on the ground floor. So we went to the ground floor. And then um, I get out, we get out of the elevators, and I just tell I'm like, I know where I'm going. And then I say the magic words. I just say, honey, follow me. I tell Mia and Xander. Mia was, Xander was six weeks old. Mia was two. She was in a stroller, so they didn't have a choice. Follow me. And uh, we start doing these twists and turns. With, and I'm total confidence. This way, are you sure? Absolutely sure. This is the way we're supposed to go to the pool. And uh, sure enough, we end up walking outside. There's these hedges. We turn uh, with the hedges, and there is the whole pool decked out area. And my wife is so impressed. And she's like, honey, how how did you do that? How did you know? And I'm like, well, this whole time I've been following this guy with an inflatable alligator. And uh, that's, I figure if you got an inflatable alligator, you're headed towards the pool. And that's what I was, that's what I just, you know, so it was a calculated guess. But I tell you that because everyone, everyone is looking for someone to follow. That is someone who will help us get from here to there. And what we're all looking for is someone who has gone before us, who has done it. And that is that thing that we're wanting to do, become the thing that we're hoping to become. And what ha- you know, and whatever it is, whether it's we want to become a better parent, we want to you know be more successful in our career, whether we want to be a better son or daughter, better husband or wife. I mean, you name the thing that you want to do. Um, all of us are looking for a, a model, and, and whether we realize it or not, because sometimes we'll be we'll, one of these folks. We're like, I'm not following anyone. I'm my own man. Make my own choices. So why are you doing what you're doing? How are you raising your kids, by the way? Well, you know, I'm just doing my parents taught me. How'd your parents do? Pretty bad. Okay, so we're going with that. So, but, any, but, but sometimes we'll be like, no, I'm not fun. Well, what, what are you doing? I'm influenced. Well, we could call it influenced, but really, if you really boil it down, it's that there's a model. There's someone that we see and say, man, if I could do what they did, and if I follow the steps that they took, I would really like to get where they got, uh, become who they became, and, and, that, and the thing that we don't realize is, Whether it's by default or by design, all of us are following a big, green, inflatable alligator and whatever that alligator is. And so, uh, 
But the thing is this, and this is the, this is the really cool part. The really cool part is, is that we actually get to decide who we want to follow. And we can pick the person that takes us from here to there. Because at the most basic level, at the most basic level, when Jesus called his disciples, it really fundamentally came down to two words. When he, when he saw them, there was maybe some interaction, but eventually it came down to two words, Jesus saying, follow me. That's what it came down to. Now, there is sometimes a modifier, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. If you follow me, you'll see the angels descending, uh, ascending and descending on the Son of Man, he told one of his disciples. But there was, there was always this fundamental idea, follow me and I'm going to help you become who it is that you want to become. I'm going to help you get from here to there, whatever there is. You see, in this ancient culture, this ancient Hebrew culture, um, uh, when a rabbi had a disciple, which in, in Hebrew uh, was called a Talmid, T-A-L-M-I-D, uh, a, a Talmid, whenever he had a disciple, or literally that's translated a learner, whenever they had a disciple or a learner, it was the job of that disciple to learn everything about that rabbi and to do everything like the rabbi. Uh, and by the way, you can read this stuff, you know, if you want to look into it, but it is so interesting. Um, and it's sometimes hilarious, uh, how serious guys took this stuff. Um, I mean, a rabbi's Talmud, their disciples, their learners, their followers, they followed their, their rabbi everywhere. In fact, uh, they actually, there's, there's stories of disciples following their rabbi into the restroom hanging out. Because if you don't know this, especially in ancient Israel, rabbis had prayers for everything. Literally everything. There was a prayer for it. And uh, they, what they, the disciples didn't want to miss something. And so because some of the rabbis had prayers, uh, they had like bathroom prayers, if you want to call it that. Those would be prayers that after you use the restroom, you, you'd pray thanking God, that, thanking God that all the parts are working. And I'm going to let you fill in the rest, but that's kind of the idea. Um, but the, the whole thing is this. So uh, if you're you know, a little more familiar with the Bible, you know, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples, his Talmuds, his, his disciples, later the apostles, come to Jesus. And what do they ask him? They, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. The whole idea of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. All of that begins with the disciples asking the question, Lord, teach us to pray just like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Because the idea is, Lord, if we're going to follow you, we want to learn everything. We want to learn to do everything the way you do it, because we believe that your way is the best way to live. Now, if you're a Christian, that should be our goal as well. To follow Jesus in such a way that we do everything the way he does it. Now, bad news. You're not going to walk on water anytime soon. But listen, we can learn to live like him. We can learn to imitate him in our lives. And that's what the Apostle Peter wants to teach us in the opening verses of 1 Peter. How to be like Jesus and how to walk with him. Um, last week we started this series uh, on Easter that, that's called Becoming. And the idea is because everyone has a vision in their minds of what they want their lives to look like. Everyone says, we, man, I'm here, but I want to get there. And there's a road to get from here to there, but I'm not sure what the road is to get from here to there. And I'm not sure how to do the actual steps to get me from here to there. And that's why everyone needs someone to follow. Now, the cool thing about following Jesus is that he doesn't just show us the way. 
He actually walks with us. But it's not, it, what's even cooler is he doesn't just show us the way and walk with us. He actually transforms us as we're walking along the way. And that's what First Peter is all about. It's about the transformation of the heart when a person becomes a Christian and God is at work in them. So these first few verses, and I, by the way, I'm going to have you open your Bible to First Peter, uh, if you would, or you can take your Bible app or whatever and, and open it uh, to First Peter uh, chapter 1. But we're going to look at these three qualities of becoming a disciple, becoming a learner, becoming a follower of Jesus. What are the three qualities? So we can build a foundation that we're going to grow on as in the coming weeks as we talk about a whole, a whole host of other things um, that we're going to become. But we're going to start, what does it mean to become a disciple? So we're going to start in verse 1, and here's what it says. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, uh, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiply. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the first of the three things that I want to share with you today about um, what is the, the characteristics of a disciple. What is, if you're becoming a disciple, what does it mean? Um, someone who's following Jesus. Here's the first thing, and that is that disciples understand their position. They understand their position. And, and what position is that? The position that as Christians that we have been chosen by God. Uh, did you notice what he says in, in verse 2? That we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That means that God has actually chosen us. I mean, and, and I know, like, let me tell you, that sometimes what we can have this idea about God or what we think about God. And, and sometimes here's what we're thinking. Like, we think that God loves us because God loves everybody. And it's kind of like this generic all-encompassing, you know, I love everyone. It's kind of like how Barney loves everyone. You know what I mean? Like, he loves all the little kids. But, you know, but it's, so that's what we think. You know, God kind of loves everybody, and that's it. And, and um, But if he had to choose to love us or not love us, he wouldn't love us, you know. Um, and, and it's everybody, you know, in, like in your family, everybody has this person in their family that, you know, you love them, but you don't really like them. Like, they're kind of a weirdo. And, and, you know, like you see them a couple times a year, you see them at Thanksgiving, you see them at Christmas, you see them at one, a birthday or something. And then, and, they, and you're like, hey, you know, you, you love them because they're part of your family. But if you never saw them again, you'd be okay too, you know, right? And that because they're weird and they do things and, and you might be thinking like, I don't have anybody like that in my family. Yes, you do. It's you. So look out. But, I, but I'm telling you this, I, I tell you that to tell you this, that's not how God views you. Listen, not only does God love you, I'm here to submit to you that he actually likes you. Because I think, so, you know, to think about the fact that it says that we're elect, that means that God actually chose us. That he chose us, and then he uses this, this modifier, he, he, according to his foreknowledge. You see, you might think that, well, I started coming to church, cleaned up my act, Came to God, and of course, he, you know, chose me. Pretty awesome, after all. That's, that's not it. He saw the whole deal. I mean, he, he, he saw everything, and he still chose you. 
Sometimes we can actually, maybe some of you are here and you came forward in a service and you give your life to Jesus. You know what you're going to find when you get here? That he actually chose you first. What? Yeah. I mean, it'll make your head hurt if you think about it too much. But that's what the Bible, that's what the Bible says. That, that it's actually his decision. In fact, in, in John 1, it says this, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of man, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, what I mean is this, is that um, you had this in school. All of us had this. You know, you're in PE, and then the teacher tells you, um, all right, let's pick teams. We've got two captains, and then everybody starts picking. One, two, three, four. Five. Everybody starts getting picked, and then, um, then you get to the end. I never had this problem, by the way. Just someone throw that out there. Unless they're like, oh, Wow, Pastor Bob's really reliving this. No, he's, I'm, I'm okay. I was, you know, I was, I was a pretty good athlete. But here's what happens is that um, then you get kind of to the end. And I remember being a team captain, picking people. And then you get to the end. And it's like, you know, the last like two or three people, they don't even get picked. They're like, the last one, you're like, all right, you're with me. You know, just like, all right, stand in the corner and don't ever touch the ball. Like, that's your job. And uh, listen, I speak the truth here. I'm sorry it hurts, but I speak the truth. Um, Counseling is available later. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, okay, center. And, uh, so, but here's the thing. Well, you know, when the Bible teaches that God picked you, he didn't pick you because of how good you are. He picked you, check it out. It says because of this. Uh, I'm going to read you this verse. It's according to his grace. Uh, let me, let me, it, it says this. In him, this is Ephesians 1, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to, to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. That's why we, how we have forgiveness and life and, and peace and hope and all these things. It's through him. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Now, if you've been here for a while, I've told this story like a bunch of times over the years, so you need to laugh in the appropriate spots. Those of you that are newer, this is all fresh. This is hot off the press, okay? All right. Anyway, uh, some of you know this. Some of you don't, that before coming and starting Calvary, I spent about four years running a college. And so that's kind of where I got, uh, I was an intern uh, pastor, and then uh, I was an assistant pastor, and my main responsibility was running a college um, at, at a church. And then, um, and then we left and then started Calvary now uh, 12 years ago. But when I was back at the college, and this is now about 1998 or so, I, uh, someone called me and said they wanted to donate a computer to the school. And I was very excited about that because I knew the guy and the guy was pretty wealthy. You know, I mean, not like, you know, Trump or anything, but you know, the guy had a few bucks and I knew that, um, if he could give a computer, that it'd probably be a good one. And, uh, now you got to understand, we talk about computers. This is around the era. Now, some of you, you don't even understand this, but this is around the era. Some of you are old enough to remember, like, remember like the 386, computer, then the 486. And then I like, at this time I had heard rumor of a 586. It was like mind blowing. And then like two years later, they came up with a Pentium machine. We're like, what? You know, like freaking out. And, uh, like so fast could print a document in like three minutes. And, uh, so awesome. It's like, it's less time than if you wrote it yourself. Anyway. So I, uh, the guy says he's gonna, he wants to donate a computer, and I am excited about it. Because at this time, not everybody, like all of our, none of, now everybody has a computer. But back then, like, I would say maybe 
15 to 20 percent of our students actually owned a computer of their own. So everybody was going into our computer lab and using the different computers that we had uh, there at the college. So uh, I go out to lunch one day. I come back and sitting um, there in the entryway is this computer. Uh, which looks like it had come from the Pentagon during the Carter administration. Okay? I mean, what a hunk of junk. It had this little screen that was about that big, black and white. It, was, it had a Windows prototype on it. And, uh, you know, it's like something you see out of the movie War Games. And, uh, by the way, how many of you have actually seen the movie War Games? Can I ask that? Wow, look at that. A few more than the first service. I don't know what's up with those people. That's your homework, by the way. Want to play a game? And uh, see, like only eight people got that who've seen that movie. Us and like the other nerds. That's the only people who who get that joke. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, So I I see this. I see this computer and I'm I'm so upset. And by the way, this is one of those moments where like I can just imagine the conversation that ensued between this guy and his wife. Hey, you know this old hunk of junk computer? I'm going to throw it away. Don't throw it away. Give it to the church. Like, we're like one step above the dump, you know? And it's like what you do when you feel bad about stuff that you're going to throw away. And you're like, oh, so what a shame. Like, I'm I'm telling you, people have donated the craziest stuff. Like, we had one time, was like, hey, I want to give some stuff. And he shows up with a box. And everybody thanks. The guy leaves. And then um, someone in the office kind of going through the box and see what's good or not. And, and, And one of the things in there, one shoe. I, first of all, I just want to know, what kind of shape was the other shoe in? That they didn't want to give the one, like, you know, hey, I'm going to give this pair of shoes. Honey, have you seen the other shoe? The thing's destroyed. What are we, animals? Only give the one shoe. You know, come on! What do you take us for? Anyway, so anyway, so I, I always feel like sometimes we're like the sanctified version of the dump. Because we like, you know, we give people, make feel, people feel better of the stuff they want to throw away. Because then they give it to us, and then like we end up throwing it away. So, you know. It's a shorter trip, I guess. Anyway, so I don't even know why I derail talk about things like this. I'm sharing all my issues with you. So, anyway. <laughs> it's cheaper than therapy. And uh, so, nonetheless, this is getting away from me now. Uh, <laughs> center, center. Okay. So, now, here's the thing. This guy who gave his computer, and by the way, you know, this is all in, in good fun. Um, but he gave this, like, in all of the assets that he had, he gave out of his riches. Out of all that he had, he gave that. Now, if he had would have given, listen, according to his riches, there would have been a fleet of computers there. That would have been in accordance to uh, his riches. Listen, when, when the Bible says that God forgives us, it's not out of his riches. What we just read, no, no, we have redemption, forgiveness, according to his riches. It's in accordance to how great, majestic, awesome he is. It's in accordance to that. So by the way, let me answer this question because this comes up. You say, well, if God picks people, does God also reject people? I mean, does God like, you know, hey, well, I'm going to pick you, but you know, I'm not so sure about you, but you know, I'll pick you. I mean, what is that all about? One of the things you're going to read in the Bible, um, if you read it cover to cover, you'll find that God... Uh, Bible talks about election, that God chooses, that God, that God, um, that God uh, elects us, chooses us. But he never, the Bible never talks about God not electing someone, God not choosing someone. 
And I think that's extremely uh, important because I want you to understand um, the motivation behind it. And that's uh, in the next verse in Ephesians 1 uh, that I I gave you. Uh, It's on the second page. But look at what it says. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Did you catch it? That love was the motivation for choosing us. And this is a, this is a freeing truth, which, by the way, um, so if somebody says, well, man, am I chosen? Well, why don't you come to Jesus and you'll find out that you are chosen. Well, maybe I don't want to come to Jesus. Maybe you aren't chosen. Well, I don't like that. Well, then you should come to Jesus and you can find out that you're chosen. Well, maybe I'm not sure I want to come to Jesus. Maybe I'm not sure you're chosen. Well, maybe I will come to Jesus. Well, maybe you'll find out that you're chosen. You know, it's like, and this this whole thing that what we see is that every person who does come to him, we realize is, uh, is chosen. And the reason why this is such a freeing truth is sometimes we think, well, God's love for us is like this generic love because he loves everybody. But when we find out that God has actually chosen us, we realize that this love isn't just generic. This love is actually very specific because he loves you personally and he likes you personally. And that's why in these verses that we just read, he's actually chosen us and adopted us into his family to be his son or his daughter. And this is the position of the disciple of Jesus. This is where we begin understanding that God has chosen us. If we don't begin from this position, here's the other position that we begin from. The position of everything I do, hoping that I can earn God's love, earn God's favor, try to do enough good things, hoping that someday God will love me. That's not where we begin. You will find your whole life striving to attain something that you would already attain if you were standing here. In the place it says, here's what I recognize. The beginning is that God chose me. And he chose me because of his infinite, incredible love. And he chose me out of the riches of his grace and mercy. That's the place where we begin from. If we're going to get from the road to from here to there, that's the starting spot. Where we begin right there. And then where do we go? It starts from here, understanding where we are in the present. And then number two in your notes, the disciples look to the future. Let me read you uh, verse three. He says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, check it out, this inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention. Here's what Peter says. He talks about disciples looking to the future. He says that we have a living hope And that living hope is for an inheritance reserved in heaven for us. What what kind of inheritance? He says three things. One, it's incorruptible. That means it cannot be destroyed. It's undefiled, which means it's not, it, it can't be polluted. It's also, it does not fade away, which means it cannot decay. That's the problem with every earthly inheritance that we get. Every earthly inheritance is subject to corruption, subject to pollution, and subject to decay. You see, um, my, my wife has these, um, these Yadro porcelain dolls. I know, do you know what those are? Every woman just said, nodded yes. All the guys were like, Yadros, he played for the Marlins? Uh, no, he doesn't play for the Marlins. 
um, this is the, he's, th- these are these um, these porcelain dolls, you know, and and uh, Carrie has these too. Since she was a kid, you know, someone uh, I think it was her grandmother gave her these these dolls of the. It's these two little kids, and uh, they're kind of leaning over, and so you put them together, and they're kissing, and uh, so and we had this corner cabinet um, in our, in our old house. It was actually two houses ago, several years now. And uh, in this townhouse we used to live in, we had this corner cabinet. And then we had, she had kind of like her china and antique stuff. And then the, the Yadro stuff was right on the top. So one day Carrie's cleaning the house. And I tell her, hey, I'm going to help you out. So I don't, for whatever reason, I go for this china cabinet to start. I don't, you know, you look back and you're like, what was I thinking? But anyway, I decided to start there. So I grab the boy Yadro doll by the neck. By the way, not a good thing to do. I grab him by the neck and pick him up, and I popped off his head. Yeah, that's what I thought. And um, Carrie nearly had a heart attack. I glued it back together. She, you know, like nobody was any of the wiser, but she knew. I was never allowed to touch those things again. And I was like, that's it. You know, I mean, Carrie, it was, it was a very, and anyway, so we moved into our old house, and uh, we unpacked the boxes, and this is like some of the china boxes, and the Yadro, both Yadro dolls are totally crushed, totally crushed. And, uh, you know, anyway, Carrie's okay now. I mean, the therapy has helped so much. Uh, <laughs> um, no, she's good. But this is the problem with earthly inheritances. They break, they rust, they fade. Listen, our eternal inheritance doesn't fade. Think about this. I mean, uh, this is just a good thing to know. Uh, when you get to heaven, right? You're going to get a brand new body. That's what the Bible teaches. You're going to get a brand new body. That's an exciting thing to know, right? Some of, obviously, some of us are more excited about it than others. Um, but yeah, but, it, but listen, that's a big deal. Why, you, you know why? Like, because after, now some of you are young, and I get that, you know, like when I was young, I didn't really think about heaven all the time, you know, because I was young, I felt good, you know, and, and, and then, you know, but after a while, like your earthly body, starts to fall apart. And, 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 you know, it's a weird thing that, you know, you start getting wrinkles. Like, you know, some of us more than others, but, you know, you get wrinkles. Gravity starts setting in where you hoped that it wouldn't set in. Stuff starts to hurt. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, the other day I get up and I'm like, oh, man, like all these muscles in my back hurt. I'm like, I didn't even know I had muscles in my back. I'm like, come on. This is awful. And, and, and it's like, this, this, why? Because this body that we have, listen, this is not a, you know, this is not a lifetime guarantee, right? This thing, this body that you have is created to wear out and you're going to leave this life and go to the next life and then get one that is incorruptible and undefiled and doesn't fade away. And listen, and and I tell you this because I didn't think when I was young, I mean, you know, younger anyway, um, I didn't think about heaven all the time. I didn't. I mean, I, I was young and everybody that I cared about was still here. You know, and then you go through life a little bit and then you lose somebody. And then, um, you know, you hear about somebody else that dies and then you hear about another person and then someone um, close to you goes. And then you hear about somebody else. And then somebody your same age goes to heaven and you're like, man, and then somebody younger than you that you're close to goes, and then you start to realize something. This, this place isn't forever. We're not going to be here forever. 
And we start thinking about this. And I mean, I just had this reality this week, you know, um, there's some friends of ours that, that we had uh, back when I was running the college, you know, they, they were uh, serving as well. And um, you know, pastors and, and you know, in the last couple of years, we hadn't kept up so much. I mean, they were serving the Lord in another state and we were here and, um, and we just heard this week, you know, I mean, uh, this couple, you know, she lost a battle with cancer and went to be, went to the, be with the Lord and, uh, you know, left her husband for, for little, for girls. And, um, and it, you know, it's in, it's in moments like these, it's in moments like these that you just realize, um, that the hope of heaven is more real than ever. You know, that we have the hope that this life is not all that there is. It's not all that there is. Instead, eternity is real, and we know that because Jesus rose from the dead. You see, there's this... uh, When we talk about hope, we use the term differently than how the Bible uses the term hope. We talk about hope in kind of like a wishing sense. You know, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope the Marlins aren't completely horrible. This year, when we know, what are we thinking? That's more of a pipe dream than a hope. But, um, but you know, so we, we think that, but we know that these are kind of wishes that are not based in reality. Hope, according to the Bible, a living hope, listen, is the certainty of a future reality. That there are promises made to us that are true because Jesus rose from the dead. He said that his father had sent him to save lost people. That's a promise. That's a hope that we have. He said that he was the water of life, right? The living water. And if you would drink that, you would never thirst again. He said that he was the bread of life, that if you ate of him, you would live forever. That he was the way, the truth, and the life. That he was the resurrection and the life. And that whoever dies, though he believes in him, would never die eternally. Listen, these are all statements that um, inspire hope. But listen, when Jesus died and they put him in that tomb, everybody thought it was game over. And all the hope died with him. But when the resurrection took place, all of those hopes were awakened. And when Jesus rose from the dead, all of those claims that he made were confirmed. And that's why disciples of Jesus, listen, we can have, we can look to the future with hope, purpose, direction, because, and this is so huge, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead Is that work in you? Let me read you the verse so you don't think I'm just making stuff up. Uh, It says it in Romans 8. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, uh, who raised Jesus, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is why every Christian should be a person who is filled with hope. It's because the power that works in us The Spirit of God is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So what does that mean? I mean, what does that mean for the words that you speak? I mean, just the words that you use. Just just let's slice it. What does it mean just for the words? If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you, then that means that the words that you use can impact and influence people. They can speak hope and life into people by the power of God. What does that mean for your problems? the situations that you're going through, the circumstances we find ourselves in. It means they don't stand a chance because you've got the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead working in you, and that means that you have a future, that you have a hope, and whatever it is that's going on is simply preparation for what God is doing in your life in the future. And what does it mean for your future? It means that your future is bright. 
It means that if the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you, that he wants to work through you. That he wants you to be an agent of hope in this world. Listen, that's why we're so passionate about reaching people here at Calvary. It's because we live in a world without hope. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead to give us life and hope and peace and forgiveness. And that's why we can live with joy in a joyless world because we have a living hope because our Savior is alive. And so this is the last thing as he talks about, as we talk about, well, what about my problem? What about my circumstance? What about the tough situation I'm in? Look at verse 6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving at the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the last thing I want to share with you. And that is this, that disciples rejoice in trials. Now that seems so counterintuitive, that we would rejoice when something bad happens. But The reason is is because when something bad happens, God is at work in us to do something in us and through us. Um, This is about six years ago or so. uh, My old grill, uh, my old grill died. Now, I used to to live in a townhouse on a lake, and um, I had the grill on the patio, and uh, the the grill fell into the lake. Now, just a little rule of thumb. If your grill falls into a lake, it will never work the same again. So I just throw that out there. So anyway, I ended up throwing out the grill, and, uh, and, and I went to buy a new one, and I just couldn't find one that I liked. And so I went to Home Depot, couldn't find one, went to a different Home Depot, couldn't find one. And then I ended up going to, uh, I ended up going to Lowe's, and they, you know, if you, when you walk in, they have all those pre-assembled ones. Well, uh, I found the one I liked, and they were out of stock. And I just said, listen, I really like this one. I've been searching all morning. Let me just buy the, 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 this pre-assembled one already, and I'll take it. And they said, no problem. And uh, so I wheel it over to my car, and it doesn't fit into my car. I have to actually take the top off, and then it'll, it'll go in into the back of my car. And so, um, but I, got, I need a screwdriver to take off the top of, of the grill. And I don't have a screwdriver. And this guy walks by. This is like the most random thing in life. But um, this guy walks by and he says, hey, do you need some help? And I'm like, yeah, I just bought this grill and I got to get it in my car, but I got to take the top off for it to fit. And I need a screwdriver. Now, this guy was wearing a T-shirt, a pair of shorts and flip flops. And, and I say that I need a pair of screwdrivers so I can take them. He goes, oh, I got a screwdriver. And he pulls a screwdriver out of his pocket. And I'm like, first of all, who walks around with a random screwdriver. It wasn't even one of those adjustable ones. It was just like a Phillips head screwdriver. Just like, here, I have, happen to have one. And I'm like, who are you? You know, now I think back on the story and I start to think that he stole the screwdriver from Lowe's. But I digress. I digress. He was a nice guy, even if he has a kleptomania problem. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, so he takes out his screwdriver and he, you know, we unscrew the, the top and we kind of have to, um, you know, turn thing. And anyway, figuring out how to get the thing in there. But we end up having this whole conversation um, about where he is in life 
and uh, we start talking about God and his family and, uh, you know, and I just encourage, you know, and it's kind of the thing, you know, trying to, he's trying to get back with his family and whatever. And I'm just encouraging him that, you know, that's, um, you know, hey man, God loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you and, you know, t- make the right steps and whatever. And so I prayed with him and, and we had this awesome, it was all happening in the parking lot of Lowe's. Uh, you know, we were having church right there in the parking lot. And uh, so anyway, and that evening, you know, we get the grill. So I'm excited, you know, cause we're, I'm going to start, I'm going to grill that night. Uh, and I decide to, so I get back to the house, put the top back on. And that night we go out, I, I get, I get the meat. I put it on the side there. And I opened up the grill, I opened up the top of the grill, and there is a huge rat on the grill. And I don't mean like, you know, like a little mouse. No, no, no. I mean a rat that's like the size of your foot. I mean, this thing is just gnarly. This thing that could eat like a family of four. I mean, it's humongous, okay? I was so freaked out that I just closed the lid. That's all I could think to do. I closed the lid. And I, I honestly, and I just said, I prayed. And I just said, God, I hope this is like a hallucination. I opened it up. Sure enough, it was there. And I didn't know what to do. So I just walked away. And I went back in the house. I grabbed the meat, of course, and I went back in the house. And then I had another dilemma. And that is, do I tell Carrie what I just saw? Because there's a couple of ways you go here. First of all, I have a couple of issues. Number one, do I ever eat off this grill? Just so you know, I ate off it for like six years. So, you know. And I'm still standing. To quote Elton John. Uh, So there's there's that. So, but I kind of, you know, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to use it. And, uh, but then I got to go and do I tell Carrie what I just saw? And so I... You know, and I'm like, oh, anyway, but Carrie and I have this thing. We don't keep secrets about anything. And uh, so I came in and I'm like, Carrie, I got, I got, I got to talk to you about something. You know, you know, the grill. And it's, oh, it's so nice. I'm so, yeah, it's, a nice, it's a nice grill. There's no doubt about that. It's a nice grill. Real, real nice. Real nice. Hey, um, so anyway, um, you know, I, I opened, uh, I opened the grill. And uh, anyway, I tell her. And the second that I say, I open the grill and there was a giant rat. She went, ah, for like an hour. I mean, for minutes, I mean, you know, screamed at the bloody murder for the top of her lungs. And, uh, we, we ordered out that night and, um, and, and uh, I have, you know, cause eventually, and then I had to go through this whole thing and she had to buy like all these chemicals. And uh, to make it like so we could eat on it. And uh, so which we eventually did. Um, and, you know, like later that night, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laying in bed. I don't know if you think you kind of like you ever do this, just laying in bed. You're kind of like reviewing your day. And uh, especially when you have like a crazy day, you're kind of reviewing your day. And, and I'm just, pray, you know, you're just kind of like thinking and praying and like, Lord, I, I get it. I understand why you wanted me to go to Lowe's instead of Home Depot. I get it. You wanted me to talk to that guy. Uh, that 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 had the, that stole the screwdriver. You want him, You wanted me to talk to him. And as we talked, and that's why you want. That's why the only one that was left was the preassembled one, is because then we had like 15 minutes to talk, and I was able to encourage him and pray with him and all that. And I and I get that, you know. And I, and um, Lord, I understand that. I totally understand that. But Lord, what's up with the rat? 
What's going on with that? I really could have done without that today. In Jesus' name. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even know what to say. You know, but now here's the thing. Sometimes we have this, uh, the, this idea that everything that happens in life is like totally random. Like, oh, you know, there's, there's no kind of, there's no rhyme or reason to why things happen in life. The reality is trials, challenges, problems, they are part of the Christian life. In fact, because that's how faith gets formed. You don't actually learn to trust God until you actually have to trust him. Right? You don't get, right? Because when you go through a difficult season, that's the moment when God is forging your faith. That's why Peter says, he says this in the verses that we read, that your faith, that the genuineness of your faith, though tested by fire. That's the idea because the only way that my faith gets strengthened is when it's tested. So watching someone else's faith doesn't do it. Hearing the stories of someone else's faith might encourage me, but that's not going to alone build my faith. I have to actually work out my faith to, to have it built up. I mean, it is. It's, it, building up your faith is just like building a muscle. You know, I, I love, um, guys, you, you know what I'm talking about. I love watching those ESPN strongman competitions. Like, I will literally stop pretty much anything I'm doing to watch the ESPN strongman competition or the hot dog eating contest. So either of those things, I will stop to watch. And uh, anyway, there's a whole story with that. And I'm, I'm using all the self-control I have not to tell it. Um, so anyway, but I love watching those guys. If you've never seen it, this is like, th- these guys are amazing. You know, I mean, they break like limbs of trees with their bare hands. They bench press small Toyotas. It's awesome. It's awesome what they do. But you know what I've never found? I've never had this happen. I've never been sitting on my couch with a Coke in one hand and a bag of Doritos in the other, watching the strongman competition and been like, man, those guys are lifting a lot. Dude, their lifting is building my muscles. Oh, this is awesome. You know, that's not, that's not how it works. If it did, if we watched the Food Channel, we'd all be dead by now. Because uh, <laughs> I feel like I gained five pounds every time I just flipped by. Uh, and so... But listen, like it doesn't work that way, right? The same, the, the, you don't watch somebody else's, you know, working out and you don't get buff. The same way doesn't work with faith. The Bible says it this way. In James 1, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, let me share this with you that I think is so important. That difficulty that you're experiencing, that challenge that you're, that you're working through, that's not God trying to wipe you out. In fact, it's something very different. That's God seeking to build you up because there are greater things that he has planned for your life and it's going to take greater maturity to handle it. That, that circumstance that you think, man, how, why has God left me? He hasn't left you. That difficult circumstance, he's standing right there alongside of you, building your faith. You see, the circumstance you're going through has not caught him by surprise. It's something that he has allowed in your life, in my life, in our lives, so that we, so that to grow our faith, to become the person that he wants us to be, now and ultimately. So the question is this, I mean, I mean, where, where are you today? 
You see, some of us, we're here and we're still trying to do life on our own, trying to figure out our problems by ourselves. And, and listen, the, the question that we really, we need to answer, I mean, are, are you, you're just, you're, you're getting tired of trying to move mountains in your life. Listen, I, here's what I would submit to you. Don't stop trying to move the mountains in your life and let God move the mountains. The Bible says if you have faith like a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed. But it takes a building of your faith for that to take place. And and, and that begins with knowing God and walking with him. You see, I really believe today can be the day where you make a decision to walk with God, to be his disciple, to learn from him how it is that he wants you to live, to embrace the forgiveness and love of God in your life because Jesus died for you because he loves you that we can start from the place of oh man I hope I, I wish I, I, I can do this and then God would love me no no maybe we can start from the place that God is, God does love you that God actually has a future for you that's greater than anything you could imagine and anything else that you could plan for yourself and even the difficulty that you're experiencing guess what maybe that challenge and difficulty is what brought you to this place today and for that we would say, man, that is a, such a tough thing I'm going through, but maybe if this challenge is what brought me to God to seek Him, then maybe that's the thing that we can give, thank, thank, give thanks for and have joy for, even in the midst of the challenge and the difficulty that we're experiencing. And so this could be the moment. This could be the moment where we say, hey, you know, I'm going to invite Him to come into my life. I'm going to ask God to forgive me and I'm going to Jesus died for me. And I want that forgiveness, that peace, that grace, that mercy in my life. That's the case. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your love. The fact that even in the midst of difficult seasons of life, that Lord, you don't leave us just figure it out by ourselves but instead you walk with us through the challenge you use the challenge in our lives to build our faith to draw us closer to you and God may that be the case with many today that the challenge brought us here but Lord this is the moment that we understand why it was to open our hearts it was to take a step Lord in your direction to see you do a work in us that transforms us that causes us to become everything you want us to become in Jesus name